You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. On the 25th of March, a New Zealand court case saw a farmer sentenced to 10 months home detention and being disqualified for owning animals after letting 28 cows die of starvation. New Zealand cattle laws sit in a tentative space where arguments from an agricultural background and from an animal welfare background can be conflicting. I spoke to o- I spoke with Oscar Regger from the New Zealand Animal Law Association about cattle laws and began by asking what are the current animal welfare rules around keeping cattle. Okay, so under the Animal Welfare Act, there's a basic obligation uh, for anyone in charge of animals to meet their physical health and behavioural needs, um, and that's in accordance with both good practice and scientific knowledge and it's around those things good practice and scientific knowledge that uh, the codes of welfare come into place so there's um, a whole lot of codes of welfare and and regulations that are set by by MPI Um, and the ones relating to cattle there's specific ones for dairy cattle and sheep and beef cattle and then there's also ones around painful husbandry procedures and slaughter and transport and so across all of those documents there's a a whole host of um, of requirements be met and so that ranges from um, their shelter, uh, feed and water, behaviour, um, uh, surgical procedures, um, also things around farm management and what's being done on farm uh, to, to, to ensure that high welfare standards are being met. Um, so it's really in those codes of welfare that, that the, the rules are set and that's where uh, people in charge of cattle are, are generally encouraged to look um, to, make, to make sure that they're doing things correctly. Do you think the current laws are being managed well enough? Uh, in a word, no. Um, some of the work the Animal Law Association has done um, and, 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 and people we work closely have, have identified real flaws in how uh, the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee, so that's the body NAWAC that's within MPI, uh, develop, um, develop codes of welfare and set rules. So we released a report uh, in February last year um, called Farmed Animal Welfare Law in New Zealand and it reviewed these codes of welfare against sort of the most up-to-date animal welfare science um, in a whole range of areas. And, and, and for the Dairy Cattle Code, for example, we found that there were a whole lot of issues where those requirements I talked about earlier for standards to be set in accordance with good practice and, and in particular scientific knowledge um, it just wasn't the case. So if you look at things like stocking density, um, the the surfaces and, and what's what's given for cows to express their natural behaviour, um, the separation of bobby calves from birth is one that, that people know a bit about. Um, winter grazing is something that's been in the media a bit. Um, hot branding, the use of electric prodders and electric restraints, all of these things which are um, currently allowed for within the, the minimum standards that the codes of welfare set, but um, the, the latest animal welfare science doesn't suggest that these things should be occurring. Um, I mean, what we see with with NAWAC is that there is a huge amount of pressure on them to be across um, all of the um, uses of animals in New Zealand, and it really seems to be an issue of resourcing in terms of them being able to keep these codes of welfare up to date. The other side of it is, is enforcement. So I think the latest numbers are there are about 30 MPI inspectors in the country. So they're the ones who are responsible for looking at um, at farm animals, including cattle, uh, whereas the SBCA will deal with like domestic animals and that sort of thing. Um, there was a report done in 2019 around the oversight, compliance and enforcement aspects of, of the Animal Welfare Act, and that found that the 
the number of inspectors available to cover you know very large tracts of, of rural land just isn't enough and they are relying really on being reactive to complaints rather than proactively ensuring high standards of animal welfare so you know the, the inspectors both the SPCA and MPI I think do a, do a really you know difficult job but again it, it's a resourcing issue. Just because you mentioned um, a lot of it's based off animal welfare science where does this information come from? So NAWAC, the Animal Welfare Advisory Committee, they will, um, and this is as far as I understand from the process, is there are there are people working there, and that they there is a, a board of people, and there are scientific, there, there are animal welfare science uh, experts, veterinarians, um, people with with farming backgrounds, um, and they will collate research um, as as much research they can on the, on the latest science around you know, any aspect of. of how animals are used and the welfare impacts of that, um, and then it's it's basically a, a a big research process to turn um, what the science is saying into standards, um, and then NAWAC will go out and consult on on those standards. So at the moment they're they're going through this process of reviewing all the codes of welfare, and so they will um, they'll come to the Animal Law Association, for example, and ask for feedback, and we'll provide feedback, for example, for the dairy cattle code will say well there are all these areas where we don't think um, the standards you're setting uh, are good enough in terms of what the science says um, and then they'll uh, <laughs> the intention is they'll go away and, and try and update that so the most recent thing we've seen is around um, uh, off paddock um, uh, facilities for cows so the, the amount of time if cows are being kept on sort of synthetic surfaces, the amount of time they can be on there and what those surfaces, um, you know, how soft they have to be and that sort of thing for, for the welfare of the cows. Um, and those standards uh, are informed by what, what they've found to be, you know, the most up-to-date science to set a certain level of animal welfare on the farm. The most recent consultation they've done on that is then what should the transition period be? So those those farms which aren't meeting those standards, how long should they be given to, to get up to speed with that? And so that's when another aspect of it comes in. It's, it's Then you're looking at economic considerations and how much sort of time and leeway should the industry be given once we've identified that there's an, a welfare need that's not being met. Our view is that too much time and too much leeway is, is given and, and that's where we um, sued the government a couple of years ago around farrowing crates and this is getting into pigs but we said that the transition periods to get rid of farrowing crates were far too long once the government's identified that they pose a, a welfare problem. So what more really can be done to protect gum cattle in the agriculture business and um, has New Zealand Animal Law Association been involved in any of this? Yeah, well I mean when we, so the, I've talked about a couple of reports and, and our general position is, and I think NAWAC and MPI would agree with this is, is with any issue like this it's re resourcing is the number one thing and having enough resourcing both to you know update codes of welfare quickly and, and, and effectively and, and then to have inspectors out on farms not just um, taking a punitive or, or enforcement approach but working with farmers to, to develop high standards of welfare I mean all of that costs costs a lot of money um, my personal view is that we see similar issues in things like uh, environmental protection and, and monitoring of environmental standards, for example, for, for rivers and waterways, and you also see issues with workplace safety, and I think there's potentially scope for, you know, 
potentially combining some of these functions and seeing uh, groups of people who are, who are out there on farms trying to promote in a more holistic way better standards both for people and the environment and animals on farms. But that is the sort of uh, joined-up thinking that, that we haven't quite seen yet. Um, the the closeness of, of the animal welfare industry to, um, to the the primary production industry is a concern and we think more oversight would assist. So we've worked with uh, Chloe Swarbrick on a bill to introduce a commissioner for animals who would essentially have an oversight role to make sure that these roles are being um, performed effectively and it's you know based on the model you see for the Parliamentary Commission for the Environment. Um, so that's sort of a, a longer term, uh, I guess, political aim to have a bit more um, independent oversight of animal welfare standards within government and, and not have it so cl- closely tied industry um, but with all these things we just see see things move really slowly and stall a lot so winter grazing was a big concern a couple of years ago um, live export of animals another thing that, that's really um, had dire consequences for for, for the welfare of cattle um, and getting change on those things just seems to take so long and it's just about um, having the resource and to move things faster but, but a commissioner for animals someone who is um, independent of government but well resourced to, to have oversight of these things I mentioned judicial review earlier so we um, challenged the government on their um, yeah, phasing out of farrowing crates for pigs and we hope that some of the lessons learnt there will, will mean that things are done better in the future, we're um, doing a similar thing around rodeo at the moment so this is when uh, the government's regulation of, of animal welfare issues really breaks down and we think it's necessary to get the courts involved. But generally, we're trying to take the approach of, of working really collaboratively with NAWAC um, and and being engaged in all of their feedback and consultation processes and trying to get them to understand and apply the legislation properly because um, for all the resourcing issues, um, one thing we would say is that whatever resource you do have you've got to be applying the animal welfare act um on paper we've got a a a really progressive animal welfare act that recognizes sentience of animals and and tries to set high standards of animal welfare but in terms of the rules that actually come out of the government um that's not always the case and we we think uh uh, working collaboratively with NAWAC to try and better help them understand um the their sort of legal realities and that their focus should be on animal welfare first and foremost and economic considerations and whatever else secondly or or, or further down the line um, that can only help That was Oscar Reggio from the New Zealand Animal Law Association speaking about cattle laws and their improvement in New Zealand That was a 95BFM podcast To hear more head to 95BFM.com slash becasts